from our new location at 77 Grove Street, the former CVPS building. Now we've got the power. The Rutland Herald's local sports podcast. This is the Inside Pitch. Brought to you by the Rutland Herald. Thank you for supporting your hometown newspaper. Here they are, Bob Fredette and Tom Haley. Play ball! Hello, this is Bob Fredette. Hello, this is Tom Haley. This is the Inside Pitch. I'm Tom Haley, sports writer at the Rutland Herald, and I have with me for today's podcast, sports editor Bob Fredette and special guest Mike Kinsler, former Rutland High girls soccer coach and an official, a a soccer official today. And what do Bob Fredette and Mike Kinsler have in common? They were both at the momentous goal in West Rutland struck by 100-plus goal scorer Eric Maxim. And I'm just going to let each one kind of describe that moment. One of those moments where if you were there, you never forget it. Because I don't know how many people I've heard say, I've never seen anything like it. So... Bob, it just what was your reaction and what was your feeling when you saw this thing go in the net? Well, the first thing was, uh, are you kidding me? And the second thing was, wow, second overtime, the game's over, great. All right, now it's supper time. So yeah, I was thrilled, you know, but wow, what a shocker. You know, I you just, I'd never seen anything like that. I've covered, football, well, soccer in Vermont for um, about 40 years now. Right. So, and and Mike has probably seen even more, you know. So I, 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 I was just I was dumbfounded. I said, "Wow, the game is! Are you kidding me? How did that ball ever go in?" So, but uh, yeah, it's you see it and it's unfolding in front of your eyes, and the ball's hanging up for a flight. Look, the ball had to be in the air for like three seconds, didn't yeah. it, Mike? It was an amazing goal, absolutely amazing. From an official standpoint, I gotta say, I and was you a were on the field. Official, we yeah. should make that clear. And yeah. um, is that a legal goal? Hasn't been touched by anybody else. Maybe the keep got his hands on it, but it is a legal goal. Um, but we and we never even discussed it. But it's a rarity, and it's something that goes through your head. Is that legal? Is that okay? Um, and that was quite a boot. You know, I'm wondering. You know, how many times out of ten is somebody going to be able to do that? Eric's a pretty talented kid, but very unusual central right between the pipes and just beautiful loft and like you said it was up there for a long time um felt bad for the keep because he had played a great game he's a freshman and uh did a real nice job but uh you know interesting way to win it and a very tough way to lose it yeah, I was wondering if, if, if you ever, I mean, all the games that you've coached and seen, have you seen a stranger I, running to a game? I've never that? seen it before, yeah. you know, on a, a you know, a good goal, a legal goal. Right. You know, I mean, you see kids try to take a crack at it from deep, but I've never seen it off a kickoff. Although, was it you who said it had been done in the Lions Cup game a few years back? Not off the kickoff, okay. and not quite as far, but almost as far. I bet 40, 45 yards, maybe it was even midfield. And what it was, a, uh, a New Hampshire player uh, kicked the ball, and MSJ's Beth Parento was so close, and it came, it came from the player off Beth's foot, almost like a, like a volley maybe off her leg, with such force that, that it went in the goal from almost midfield, but it wasn't <laughs> off a kickoff. It, it was the 
most unbelievable goal I've ever seen yeah. personally. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But well, but I've had so many people say that same thing to me that you brought up after watching the video. They've asked me, and you can explain this, why they, and this is just everybody's lack of knowledge, why was it legal if somebody didn't tap it to him first? Well, it's defined as a legal goal. A goal right. can be scored directly off a kickoff. And a lot of people don't know that. They it, think somebody the has book, to tap it you know, to them. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, they've changed those kickoff rules a little bit now. Right. Um, but, but it's defined, you know, there are a whole lot of a goal can be scored, you know, and that's in there, you know, right, directly off a kickoff. So it's defined literally. I don't know how many times it's ever done, but... Uh, Hello, this is Jason Behenna, Director of Athletic Marketing Communications at Castleton University, and you're listening to the Inside Pitch. Now I gotta I'd like to know if it was Scott's idea or Eric's idea. It was actually uh, one of Eric's teammates' ideas because wow. he saw the goalie coming up. He turned to him and he said, "Should I go for this?" And the guy, guy, well, well, I don't know. Go ahead. You know, I think <laughs> like it was Tyler Serrani. Tyler Serrani, okay, because yeah. Tyler Serrani is the guy who's giving it to him. So I guess he was just taking the advice. But it was a beautiful goal. The goalie got a hand as he was yeah, going yeah. back barely got a hand on it but uh, as you said it's a legal goal one way or the other it's amazing anyway because i mean think about it even if the goal is in position i mean what 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 could be the window to, to actually hit the ball through there not, i know, you know that's not just not it's, i know oh, when, when 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 eric kicked it how far up was the goalie like you, you know I, I he wasn't too far off his line but that is a very very difficult save to make backpedaling right. a lot of goalies aren't going to make the save uh, uh, you know a experienced goalie is probably going to touch it over the bar and right he'll take the corner kick or something like that but all that is takes a lot of athleticism and it takes a lot of experience you know yeah, and it takes a lot of being on your toes. I mean, you wouldn't even consider someone's going to shoot from midfield. No, no So, no. wow, okay. And never mind shoot from midfield, but, you know, that would be a, a great goal kick from a, a goalie or a fullback. I mean, that would – and he didn't back up that far. He was only a couple of steps off that ball. Yeah. It wasn't like yeah. he had a lot of momentum going into that, you know. Yeah. He's just a very talented kid, has a beautiful foot. Oh, he is. You know, plays – I think he's going to wind up either at Norwich – or Castleton. It's great. His father is currently working at Norwich, and uh, he's an unbelievable student. If he goes to Castleton, he'll probably get the Green and Gold nice. Scholarship. So nice. either way, great. He's yeah. good, in good a great for situation. Good for him to have some options. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You know, but his he plays the game be. the way it's supposed to be played. He's a very, very nice kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and he certainly the, is. And his dad's going to be, I think it's going to be his last year there. So I think he's going to be. I think he'll be gone after this year when we're talking before oh, the game. Oh, you mean the father, yeah. Scott? He yeah. will be. Uh, yeah. And he's talking. He's threatening to join Mike and become an official. We'd love to have him. Threatening. I'd love to have uh, <laughs> have him on our side. Bring along Ian Aiken. You know, a couple yeah. of my boys. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, it's, that's cold. <laughs> Taking him right out of the right out of the coaching ranks. That's cold. You know. So uh, you know, one of the things that uh, kind of occurred to me to ask you to talk, have you talked a little bit about was, I mean, you've been out of the coaching game for eighteen years now, and uh, I, you know, from from a different perspective, has the game changed an awful lot in the last 18 years in Vermont? Yeah, I think it has. I mean, you guys see this in all sports now. There tends to be, uh, 
unique idea to specialize early on. I think the day of the three-sport athlete, unfortunately, is gone, at least at the bigger schools, maybe not at the smaller schools, because I think there's still room for that. Not only room for it, it's almost a necessity, yeah. Correct. You you have enough numbers, problems without the specialization so sure so i think with specialization comes this unique idea that everything's getting that much better and you know tactically and skill wise and everything and uh thus i think the kids that have specialized it used to be alberti's camp was the only game in town in the summer i mean Mm -hmm. once soccer season ended you went to rich's camp for um a week kids loved it they flocked to it but now i think you could find a soccer camp every single week of the summer, including right when school gets out, all the way into preseason camps. So, you know, with that, I think, comes kids, you know, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th grade that have beautiful, you know, their skills are starting to come up. And uh, as a result, uh, you know, if you can somehow commandeer 11 of those kids, probably have a pretty fine team. Hmm. Unfortunately, at some of these smaller schools, there are kids that maybe soccer is just something they cross-train. Their real love is basketball or hockey or something like that. So they may run during soccer, but it's really nothing that, I mean, they like it, but I don't think they're in love with it. So Mm -hmm. as a result, you might not get a full complement at these smaller schools of tactically and skill-based kids. But... uh, Overall, I think the game has changed, you know, and I think there's more knowledge from the fans. I think uh, the average parent on the sideline has a much better feel for the game because they've seen umpteen club games and junior high games and and, and even grown up games. with it. If they hadn't, and, and, true, if they hadn't grown up with it, they grew up with it from bringing their kids on Sunday morning to the polo fields correct. at five and six years old and correct. just. Or they may have played themselves because in Vermont we're starting to get, you know, among the coaching ranks, among the soccer officials' ranks, and certainly with in the parental situation, we get a lot of people that have now played the game and understand the game. So that's nice. This is the Inside Pitch, brought to you by the Rutland Herald. The Inside Pitch is now on Podbean. Get the app. This is Justin St. Louis from Devil's Bowl Speedway, and you can also find the inside pitch on iTunes. But but specialization versus the three-sport athlete is a whole separate yeah. debate in itself. Well, I think you see it now in hoop. Kids play in AAU yep. year-round. I think in hockey, kids find ice, whether they go to Burlington or Massachusetts or wherever. You find it in soccer. Certainly golf with indoor facilities now. I mean, I think you just start to see that, you know. I mean, I'm not trying to be cynical, but I think the average parent would just assume their kid be a Division One scholarship athlete than a valedictorian. I think they get more. And a lot of them think know? that they're, they're, they are Division One yeah. athletes, but they don't know what a Division One athlete is. Yeah. And they don't know how good yeah. Division Three athletic yeah. athletics Correct. are. Correct. Because they are really good. Yeah, correct. I mean, you, you you don't just go play them, you know. If you're if you're an average high school player, but a lot of parents have that misconception. They think, oh, Division three, my kid can always play that. Well, generally, but it's not the way a it is. Smaller and maybe more academically inclined. You know, just in a generalization. You know, but but along to the specialization thing, 
Proctor Athletic Director Jake Eaton always tells me his greatest regret in high school was not playing high school baseball his senior year. Took it off to get ready for football sure. at Maine. Sure. And he says, to this day, I regret it. Yeah. Because I could have played baseball and done just as much as I did to get ready for sure. football. Sure. And then I had that same conversation revisited yesterday with Riley Nichols. She didn't play softball her senior year at Mill River to de dedicate herself to getting ready for soccer her freshman year at Castleton. And she told me yesterday, I have mixed feelings about that today. I feel I missed out by not playing with my friends sure. that final year of softball, and I could have done just as much to get ready for soccer at Castleton. So yeah. I think sometimes I think specialization is overrated, and I, I, I'm sure you've had conversations with college coaches who say, I want multiple sport athletes. Yeah, yeah many, I'll say that. many do, mm -hmm. you know. But yeah. I wonder if it's, you know, at a Division One school, if it's obtainable, you know. Right, right. It's tough. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, you don't see that many kids who are playing at a Division One in anything that have, have played more than one sport. Right. Although a lot of hockey players at UVM, when you look at the program, played soccer, you know. I mean, they kind of go together. I guess there are those crossover yeah. sports. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, that's uh, I think a lot of it has to do with, with that's perpetual motion, just like hockey is. I mean, in soccer, I mean, how many yeah. guys? I mean, you, you use like maybe thirteen guys or fourteen guys in a soccer game, yeah. right? So right. the average soccer players out there running thirty-eight minutes a game, yeah, anywhere, yeah. Or, or thirty-eight minutes a half. So uh, I think you really have to be in shape and uh, absolutely. That way, so. And for Jake and Riley, some of that might have been you know right at the end. You just don't want to get hurt, you know. Yeah. Right? Those are both spring sports that they gave up, and you just didn't right. want to. Injury, yep. you know. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, but, you know, a lot of football, high school football coaches say that both wrestling and lacrosse, they think are really good for their football players. Yeah. You know, lacrosse, you have that component of dodging and, and, and wrestling is the, the strength part of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Football coaches... Love their kids to wrestle and play lacrosse. I remember years ago we were in Austin, Texas, and a kid came across the pool area, and he was wearing a big kid. He was wearing an Austin soccer shirt, and I said, son, you play soccer? And he said, yes, sir. And I said, what about the football coach? And he goes, oh, our football coach loves us to play soccer. just so happens. It's a spring sport. It's a spring sport right. in some oh, of Texas. the warmer weather areas, yep. and some of these kids can play both, you know, in the Northeast it doesn't happen to me, so. Yeah, wow. Huh. Hi, this is Mike Kinsler, and you're listening to the Inside Pitch. I think the, the, the equivalent, I, I probably saw to the guy, the thing that you guys, you two guys saw on the basketball floor was at the auditorium when Kyle McQuarrie quickly took an inbounds pass and heaved it 90 feet or whatever the full length of the yeah. auditorium is, right. and it went in the basket just before the halftime buzzer. And the, you, the, the illegal legal question, that one probably was illegal because all the West Rutland people contend that Proctor Kid had his foot over right. the inline when he flipped it. 
and I think he probably did. I think right. there have been videos <laughs> that have shown that he did. Yeah. But it was it was good because the official <laughs> said it was good. I mean, we have to worry about some of that stuff at zero in soccer, but the fact is uh, it can't be in the air. At zero, if it's in the air and not across the goal line, it's not a goal. Right, right. So in basketball, if it's in the air, it's good. It's good. Right. Now, yeah, at zero. Right. So, yeah. um, so kind of interesting from that standpoint. So a very uh, timely topic, something people are talking a lot about today. What about the official shortage? Is it real? Um, you know, I, I hear that we have to bolster our ranks. However, I think when I got the roster of new officials, there were 21 individuals on it. Wow. So I would say that's pretty good. You know, uh, maybe we have between 130, 140 officials. And, uh, you know, we lose a few. Some of it uh, is age-related. I may be on that list someday soon. Uh, <laughs> some of it is guys moving or taking new jobs. So those constraints affect, you know, how early they could get out. School teachers typically were a, a great bet on this whole officiating thing because we could make arrangements and get out, you know, maybe miss last period, or if it was a study hall, somebody would cover you. But now a lot is done according to the contract and letter of the rule, kind of, and so teachers can't get out as early. So yeah, depends on a lot of other guys as well. You know, some guys are self-employed, insurance, and that sort of stuff. So, But I think the officials shortage is real. Uh, I'm told it's worse in uh, areas of maybe more specialization, like uh, field hockey and lacrosse. Where, oh, field hockey is really uh, bad. Pretty tough. I heard we were getting Massachusetts officials in field hockey. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what somebody Well, there, in field hockey, the, the in the kingdom, uh, North Country, Linden, and St. Jay, the three field hockey schools in the Northeast Kingdom, can't play home games on the same day. Wow. Because of official shortage. Wow. So they have to be in concert with one another when they schedule. I mean, listen, you know, the commitment is is magnificent no matter what you're uh, officiating. And there is a certain amount of stress. And some people just don't want to go out there and have to deal with that kind of stress. And how bad are the fans? Because we, we hear that from officials that that's one reason they're not coming in or staying in is is that the abuse on the sidelines. Uh, you know, some, some some of you guys can let that roll off you. Some yeah. can deal with it better than others. Well, I think it's got to be worse in basketball. Than yeah, I would think that would be the worst because the fans are literally on top of you. I don't think it's that bad in, uh, right. in soccer. Um, you know, every once in a while somebody's aggravated. Um, I try to think back how I was. And, you know, I mean, there's a certain amount of emotion when it doesn't go your way. And... You allocate for that. I, I think if somebody's on your case the whole time, then you do something about it. And the ADs yeah. are pretty cognizant of it. Uh, you know, they'll walk over to the other side of the field if they hear some abuse and stand with the fans and try to quiet it down. So right. having on-site administrators is very, very helpful. So. I, I would think uh, different officials have different styles in dealing with the situation. Some might say the best case, ignore it. Then you got Bob A. Who will yeah. go? Who yeah. will go? Oh, it was not yeah. to the to the meet fan. It, meet not it head really. on. Yeah, a little yeah. louder than that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're kind of taught to 
try to ignore it if you can. I mean, if you start to get into a you know a back and forth or a shouting match, uh, you've kind of stooped to that level, right? Where you're asking them not to be, and right. uh, I think that sort of thing is really difficult, you know. Yeah. So uh, you try to keep it inside, and uh, once in a while. You know, you make a comment. I had a guy the other day on the side of the field. and Oh, yes, for Twin Valley. Well, this, yeah, this was... Uh, and you said, di- don't take your frustrations out on me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you told him. Yeah. I don't remember I heard that, that, Tom. Come on, no, Tom. You did. I heard it. I heard you say that. Okay, I guess I did. Uh, but this was another game where this fellow had a comment about everything. And coincidentally, he had parked his car next to mine. And uh, <laughs> when I was getting in my car and he was getting in his, I said, hey, thanks for the help out there. <laughs> and his daughter cringed. And he said, I'm really a big mouth. I can't help myself. I'm sorry. I said, no, nah, you keep us on our toes. I appreciate you know your efforts and your enthusiasm. But... Uh, um, you know, you try to keep it in check. It's a very emotional thing. It is know, a very emotional. When I mean, you have a kid playing, or and you assume they yeah. do, or a grandson or granddaughter. Uh, so yeah, know. I mean, it's easy. To, I mean, it's really easy to pick out from. Well, Tom and I. I mean, at one point in our lives, we were we were fans, you know. But having been in this business for such a long time, you know, you're watching a game and you see people getting on the officials, and you and suddenly you're shaking your head, going, "Come on!" I mean, that's 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 yeah. that's the right call. It's you know, what's, yeah. what's the big deal? And then you know, it's just emotion. I'm sure one of the things you guys are taught first is it's not personal. It isn't personal. And, you know, sometimes, listen, sometimes we create our own problems, you know, on a bad call or something. But the number of those calls that ever make a difference are few and far between. And, you know, you wish people kept it in check. And if it did make a difference, you, you could always say to the players, how many how many things did you do today? Yeah, that made a difference. Yeah, but you know the players. No, I mean that's to me because, that's the way a player yeah, should yeah, look at it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. You know, overall, I think uh, you know the foundation is set by the coaches, and for the most part, the coaches are pretty good folks and trying to show a level of respect and decorum that we appreciate and the kids follow suit you know sometimes you have a kid out there chirping and arguing and you'll see the coach take him off and we note that and appreciate that you know he's right. just trying to settle that young man or young woman down so yeah you know, i don't see that many kids sounding off like that you know and i think if that's a They're pretty that's good some, that's something you yeah. can go by i mean if, if a kid is not out there complaining about the call why should somebody in the fan in the stands be out there doing the same thing yeah i know and you hear all the time that the 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 kids are better than the parents. Well, you see those, and I think there's a lot of truth in yeah. that. Oh, I do too. The code of ethics are posted at all the fields. Now, I think that's in more red. of a thing yeah. Yeah, that we respect and take note of than we used to. You know. Yep. Yep. Now you, I mean, usually in the fall, when when people in the fall are one or the other, you know, they're a lot of times they're they're football or they're soccer. You have a reference point with football. I, I believe in 1998, I believe your son Micah Kinsler was the last person to touch the football in Vermont's 21-13 to 13 victory over New Hampshire. He actually in caught, an, caught an interception as, as the clock turned to zero. Hello, my name is Caden Catman. I'm the quarterback from Pulteney High School, and you're listening to the Inside Pitch. 
How do you remember stuff like that? How do you not? <laughs> I just, because if I remember, New Hampshire might have been ahead 13 nothing yeah, that game. It and was, Mike Norman's Vermonters came back and won 21 It was quite 13. a game, I think, Mike. Had, ben was Gilbert coach, was a quarterback. Yeah, and yeah, uh, We had a bunch of Rutland kids on the team. Oh, a bunch. Maximum number, I suppose. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And it was terrific. I remember seeing those kids. We went to, I can't remember if it was Hampton Beach or some... Oh, yeah, Weir's Beach, I think. Right. Weir's Beach, yeah. that's right. And uh, I remember seeing the size of the New Hampshire kids and going, whoa, I think we're in some trouble today uh, or tomorrow. And uh, it turned out, you know, maybe yeah. quickness and some of the skill positions did a nice job. So it was great, great in that uh, Dartmouth Stadium, and uh, it was really a special day. And, and Micah is now in Arizona. He is. And well-connected to the Arizona sports world. Yes. And I don't know if it's true, but I heard some I heard a story once that when Ian Kinsler was playing for the Diamondbacks. Oh, he was playing for Texas uh, Texas Rangers. Oh, it was. Yeah. But I heard there was some he would get Michael's messages or well, something. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we 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 were driving along and we said, "Hey, Micah, why don't you call Ian Kinsler and see if we can all go out to dinner and find out, hey, are we really related to this guy, you know?" <laughs> uh, chances are we're not, but you know, we had an Ariz- Ian Kinsler had an Arizona connection. He went to Arizona State. Oh, that was it. Right. And okay. uh and left to go to Missouri because Pedroia was already there, so he uh-huh. didn't want to play behind Pedroia. So ultimately, uh, Micah said, I don't know his number, and I said, you can get it, and he did get it, and Ian Kinsler <laughs> called back saying, I had just got into town, but uh, truth of the matter is, a lot of people ask if I'm related to you, and uh, he said, we'll get together for dinner sometime, but I, I can't be sure if that ever happened, but uh, wow. But it's I, I'm happy he's playing with the Sox, because I get, yeah, I mean, that's everybody's dream, you get a Red Sox jersey with your name on it, yeah. you know? Yeah, so. yeah. and now he's playing ahead of Pedroia. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah. Right. isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah. The way the world works, Life isn't that is something? It is pretty amazing. It's a funny old dog, this one. Yeah, yep. yeah. It sure is, it sure is. So, so Micah, of course, a... a, a 98 Rutland High School graduate. I mean, he's pretty connected out there in, in to the sports uh, uh, world. He, he's uh, you're telling me he actually is on the committee that nominates or, or, or people to be inducted into the Arizona Sports Hall of Fame. Yep. I mean, he, he's on the that, board that, of directors. That's definitely there. being connected. Yeah, yeah. I can't, he's either chairman or co-chairman of the Arizona Bowl, which is the bowl game in Tucson in December, wow. and. Uh, <laughs> Messes up our Christmas plans every year because Mike <laughs> has to fly the day after or the next day out to Tucson wow. to be at the game. But but he loves all that stuff and uh, and you do too. I love you too. When we go out there, yeah. Final Four. And yeah, we've been to a lot of big games. It's been fun. It, yeah, you know he he's very kind to our family and uh, gets us nice tickets and uh, we've had some really good times out there. So and. Let's not we're we're ticking down here on the on our clock. Let's not forget when you were coaching that uh, magical night, that midnight madness. I've never known anybody. Known a lot of people do it in basketball. Never known anybody to do it in soccer. Turned on the lights at Alumni Field on August fifteenth or whatever it was, and started the first. Girls soccer practice before the entire rest of the state with 
Midnight Madness. Set us back a couple of days because everybody was so exhausted, but we had a good time. <laughs> um, we always had pizza uh, donated by some folks, and we would play a bunch of games, and it was just a great way to start it out. I, I think it was a great situation for the kids that could drive. I'm sure we had some parents aggravated <laughs> at us who ha- had to drive their kids, but everybody in the program participated. So some some nights we had 60 or 70 kids out there. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> the best, the best uh, I can ever remember was Jared, my youngest son, and I were setting up for it one year, and we were sitting on the truck, and we had all the cones, and we were right... We had driven the truck out towards the field and had all the balls and everything. And a coyote came through the gate out by the stands, walked onto the field. So now it's kind of walked in, if it, unless wow. it can. And started looking for food along the sidelines and everything. And Jared and I are like just standing there going, oh, my God, it's amazing. And ultimately, it went out the same door. It went in and took off. But... Uh, I'm sure we're the only ones to ever see that at Alumni Field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. But the school was very supportive. You know, the lights cost something, and they'd flick them on, and it was great. It was We loved it. But uh, yeah. I can also understand why people haven't followed suit. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it took a lot of effort. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the yeah. kids liked it. We had a good time. Yeah, and, of course, Lori was your... Uh, assistant coach and she's at the helm today yeah, and she was at the time uh rich alberti was assistant coach for a number of years and then Lori. um yeah she's uh, you know i have a little bit of a bias i think it's sometimes easier for women to coach women and and people may take me up on that but uh i do believe that uh, you know she's just an outstanding role model and a terrific right terrific woman and terrific coach and and very uh giving and uh, you can see where that program's gone i mean she has oh i know and bob bob asked you uh how the game has changed yeah think about think about there was a time when julie franzoni and sheridan sardi had to play on the boys soccer team right right because there were no girls soccer yeah well and i right right well i think uh can't remember when I came on, but uh, you know, mid uh, mid nineties or something. And I think David Del Bianco, uh, I took over for him, and he had had the first official girls soccer team okay. led by Meredith Bagley and a few others back then. So right, uh, right, and that team grew enormously in the next few years. But uh, you know pretty amazing in the mid-90s or, you know, maybe 93, 94, something like that. Meredith Bagley, who was the goalie right. for the shootout between Mia Hamm and Nomar garcia Parra, right, right. probably brought them together. I'm sure she did. I'm sure she did. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, we are uh, running out of time here. We're in the we're we're out of the actually finished with the two minute drill, so and and uh, Mike Kinsler has to head to Sharon Academy. Who is what is the matchup today? Sharon Academy versus Stratton Mountain boys. Oh, the Bears! The Bears! Stratton Mountain's interesting because once in a while you you have this amazing team with a ton of great athletes. Exactly. Then you could have them two weeks later. They're in Austria. Chile, and you get a JV team. They can't play. Whoever's there is in shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they are. That's great. It'll be a great game. So this has been a thoroughly enjoyable. 30-plus minutes. I want to thank um, 
thank Mike for stopping by and Bob and I are off to games. Hopefully it's a kind of a bleak uh, Tuesday. We hope we get the games in today. It's a quiet day, so, John. There's almost, almost nothing today. It's, so, it's, it's perfectly matched up to the weather here. So. Thank you. Yeah. I'm headed to Longdale to watch my seventh grade granddaughter, hopefully. <laughs> so thanks so much for stopping by and make sure to tune in the next week to our podcast, The Rutland Heralds inside pitch thank you this is the inside pitch brought to you by the rutland herald let us know what you think email us at sports at rutlandherald.com